Ciao. Ciao. Hey, don't hang up. This is Jello Ciao Ciao, the all Jello show. If you even think of hanging up or leaving the room for a scotch, we will murder you. Now listen, Great Creeperson and the Phantom Eric and Chris want to take you on a ride through dark alleys and bright rooms, long stairways, and backstage at the art gallery. If you want to live, you'll don your black gloves and join them for the ride. Ciao, everybody, and welcome to episode 37 of Jallo Chow Chow, the all Jallo show, where the Jallo hits you in the face like a big bowl of Jallo. <laughs> I'm Reap. Is, is this the uh, X-rated version with uh, the porn spliced in? Yeah, that's why my balls ah, are out. Ah, ah. Oh, sorry. You thought that was it. I, I waited. For, I waited. Doing... I waited for a quiet moment to, to make a noise. That's the first time in like thirty five podcasts that I didn't that I didn't chime in for the first time and step on somebody else. And of course, Eric did oh. it on, on top of me yeah, three of times. Of course, already. I, d- I did that. So <laughs> on top of all of us, one on top of another. Yep. It's not easy when what? we're broadcasting what? from three different time zones. And with, not shaven. And we and we don't really know if we're hearing each other at the same times that we're hearing each other. It's true. Yes. <laughs> it, it is only 2015. And we're I should have reset my router, but I'll roll the dice and gamble tonight. Now you should wait until we're in the middle of a discussion and then reset your router. Yeah. That's a good idea. I think I'll do that. <laughs> So welcome to the show, everybody. Yay. This is my beginning of the show voice, and Chris you have a, and Eric are here too. And oh, and creep always. creep has an end of the show voice too, and it sounds about the same. An anchovy? No. What'd you say? An end of the show voice. Oh, the end of the show voice. What did I yeah, say? Anchovy. Who said I thought it? you said anchovy, but you said end of the show. Oh, it's man. It kind of breaks up a little bit. So this will be a fun episode. Oh. It'll be a lot of just guessing. Um, but yeah, my end of the show voice is more more somber, tired, <laughs> and just... Melancholy. Full, full of just <laughs> sorrow, I guess. You're just looking for a, a glass of J&B and a cigarette. Yeah. I hear you. It has. Actually, nobody ever really looks for a glass of J&B. That's just 
that's just the old wife's tale. Well, you could you could look there. for the glass, and if it was just half full, and then decided, you know what, I'm just going to pour my own instead before I, I would get just stabbed to death. That the ghost of the house poured himself a drink. <laughs> and decided to leave for some reason. That's it. I am very amazed by how many different camera angles the police were able to get from inside the car with their camera. Well, they told them to keep getting more more and more close-ups, so they just they were doing as instructed. <laughs> yeah. So tonight we're going to be doing the film that I won't tell you if I think was super fun or not until later. So sweet, so dead. And I'm going to try. This one to... comes to us from our uh, our foreign correspondent Al Owens, who uh, not only recommended it, but he actually got a couple copies over to at least Chris and myself. So. Yeah, thanks a lot, Al. I'm going to I'm going to try to pronounce <laughs> the Italian title. Are you ready? Do it. Rivalazioni. I didn't practice this, by the way. Rivalazioni di un maniaco sessuale al capo dello squadra mobile. Holy shit. What the hell does that even mean? <laughs> it was a lot, that was actually better than last last episode when we I, tried to talk about Leormi. 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 Yeah, <laughs> yeah Al said it straight like, on that I one. Need- yeah, it's Orme, right? Orme, Orme, Orme. Shit, did I fuck it up again? You gotta say with the rrr. I believe the, so. A little bit of an Orme. Oh, no, I think that's how Al explained it to us. So yeah. apparently... Chris, I believe you were trying to say revelations of a sex maniac to the head of the criminal investigation division. Yeah, yeah, it's like, I, I don't know <laughs> why they would even... Even if that's what that means in Italian, why would you name a movie that... What movie are you guys going to see tonight? I'm going to see You know what I mean? Like, It's a crazy title. They, they do talk about that fast, I think. And uh, I mean, I could be way off too. I'm just, I'm still on my Rosetta Stone first disc. But I think that's what you said. <laughs> I've actually been learning a lot of Italian by all of the soundtracks I'm getting. Oh yeah, learning all the different words and seeing how they match on other titles as well. Oh yeah, I've I've learned like four words. I'm very happy, Um, but I do want Al to let us know if we are sounding racist or um, not nice. Maybe is a better way to put it when we try to pronounce these titles. And then we talk like this as we do. Like, is that like, is that like rude to do that? I'm going to say no, it's not. Because if if either of you have taken a foreign language class in high school, for example, I took Spanish. Okay. Failed it. And you can't go into Spanish class and say, hola, que tal, mi nombre es Antonio. You know what I mean? You have to say... Hola, ¿qué tal? Mi nombre es Antonio. You have to give it a little bit of a something-something to make it authentic. And I think that as long as you don't do it so that it sounds comical, like the way Creep does it, um, it's not racist. 
<laughs> Nick. I'm so sorry. Like when I was taking my German class and my German teacher, she would she would speak, and I was very surprised because everything she said was just very soft. And, um, I was expecting her to be saying everything. Nein, nothing, lieber That's kind of racist in a way, or ethnocentric, maybe. Ethnocentric. I like that better. So when I go to Mexico, Chris, and I say, Donda los baños, <laughs> you're telling me that they're looking at me like I'm a comical jerk. Yeah, I mean, like, if you want to fit in and, you know, if you, if you were to make an appearance with your tone of voice that would give them the kind of give them an indication that maybe you've you've been here before or like you know you've this isn't your first time out of the house then they wouldn't consider you to be a complete like tourist now K or a S that could backfire on you because if you do such a good accent on the few words that you know from your high school class that they start talking to you and you go mm-hmm. yo no say yo no say yo no say la biblioteca and that's it. And that means I don't know. I don't know the library. So, mooey mooey. <laughs> Just say, dos cervezas por favor. There you go. And then you'll be set. Yeah. Que bueno. <laughs> that's a radio station out here. Nice. That plays mariachi music. And then it. Well, of the, course. The guy comes in and says that. So that's that's the accent I base my Spanish off of. Like, uh, donde esta? Muy, muy agua. <laughs> Not so they, muy, they basically muy. think you're just a, a bad DJ up in Southern California. <laughs> muy, muy. Whoa. We got to go. Right? Yeah, we should probably end that bit of the show. Yeah. So for our second bit tonight. Oh, I, oh and by the way, I don't know, Creep, if you actually when we were on air last time, if you mentioned Crossy Road, if we were already offline, but um, my kids are going crazy over that app now. They want to, they, they, they plan, the two of them plan and plot to steal my phone out of my pocket so that they can play Crossy Road. And I'm like, this is... So I, did you download Crossy Road? I did, because I needed to see what you were talking about. And it's Frogger, so, I mean... I'm like, oh, it's just Frogger. I thought it was something important, but it's just it's Frogger. It's deeper than Frogger. It's way deeper. There's, there's secrets in there. I even updated my phone so I could get the new iOS update. <laughs> and since they won't just give me festive chicken and I'm not going to pay for it, I kind of have stopped playing. Right. There's no way that you can achieve so. festive chicken through free-to-play? You have to buy if it. If you keep, I keep getting um, money, and then I hit the machine to get my free person. But I have like seventy six characters, <laughs> and there's only like ninety some characters. So I keep getting ones that I already have. Oh, okay, yeah, it's like that collectible <sighs> thing. I get you. Yeah, guys. I guys, hope I like the first bit better. I think that um, Eric okay, now. I know. Eric feels like I feel when you guys talk about fucking wrestling. So. <laughs> uh, so we're not going to talk about the Elimination Chamber pay-per-view. 
And we are going to move... Especially not if we're still talking about Germany. Yeah. We'll, we'll move right into I Got Married. Yeah! There you go. Dun, 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 dun. Need to find some special Thanks for effects. inviting us. Yeah, really. Hey, I didn't know about it until 12 hours beforehand, so... <laughs> One of those weddings, I guess. That should be My, enough yeah. time to prepare, though, don't you think? My divorce went through on May 20th. I found out about it on May 21st and got married on May 22nd. <laughs> that Ooh, is excelente. Uh, muy, muy. Yes. And we went straight to the Banos. Wow. Okay. That's, are you guys, that's uh, TMI. Plan, are you guys planning any sort of uh, celebratory um, excursion, vacation of sorts? Or... I would love to, but I can't start thinking about that yet. You're too busy writing things. Well, Black Star Canyon starts tomorrow, season four. So it's kind of a hectic time of year for me. Just put it on hold. Hey, listen here. There's <laughs> going to be all sorts of honeymoon stuff happening. Oh, boy. I just got to get my kid out of school. She's got 17 more days, and then I'll start planning for for the fun in the sun. A little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little flappy that, and a little, I'm talking too much about it. Flappy. I know she listens to the show, right? She does listen to the show, so I can't talk about careful. anything slapping against anything else. No, not until later. Yeah. And apparently Chris's kids listen to the show and now they know about Crossy Road. So I can't talk about it either. One flappy bird. So. <laughs> and pegging? Yeah. Pegging. All the tuna cans in a row. So. All right. Yeah. Let's get to the next point. Well, I've, uh, got, a, Chris, I've got a few things to say if, if nobody cares, if nobody minds. Well, why would we mind? <laughs> Um, first and foremost, I started watching this really cool Netflix original show called The Fall, which stars um, Scully from the X-Files, mm -hmm. and um, I recommend it. It is set in Ireland. It's basically a Silence of the Lambs kind of uh, the killing kind of a show. Uh, it's pretty good. I've uh, only gotten through the first three episodes, but um, I was always a sucker for Gillian Anderson when she was on the X-Files. And it's interesting to watch her in this role. So I just wanted to drop that real quick. Yeah. Um, also, uh, and again, every time these things come up, I, I swear I'm going to make time to, to do them and go and, and, and be there. Um, in this particular case, uh, the... Hold on, let's see if I can actually pronounce it right. Mahoning Drive-In Theater, uh, which is in... Layton, Layton, Pennsylvania. Um, it's really in the middle of fucking nowhere, basically, in Pennsylvania. It's about a two-hour drive west from where I live, uh, very near Eastern PA. Oh, not Eastern, Easton, E-A-S-T-O-N-P-A. So if anybody's anywhere near that area, um, it's a drive-in theater that has... Um, partnered with Exhumed Films, the guys who do all the horror movies in Center City, Philadelphia. And um, I think it's next weekend or two weekends from now. Uh, no, next weekend. 
Um, on Friday, they're showing the original Evil Dead and Zombie. And the next night, they're showing an encore of the original Evil Dead and Pieces. Um, and I can't, like, for the life of me, think of what could be better than going to see a couple of films like that at a drive-in. Um, the problem is I probably won't be able to go because, number one, it's a far drive. Um, I won't be able to get anybody to go with me. And I might as well just stay home and watch them in my own house. But wow. I wanted to give those guys a plug because... Um, they're doing lots of stuff um, at a drive-in, which is really cool. They start the shows at dusk. So uh, usually the showtime is like somewhere between 8 and 9 o'clock. Um, they just did some zombie movies uh, a couple weekends ago. So check it out. It's the Mahoning Drive-In Theater. That's M-A-H-O-N-I-N-G Drive-In Theater. Um, well, let me tell you, that makes me quite jealous because uh little known fact about me i actually worked at a drive-in theater in my hometown it was like one of six remaining in minnesota which was kind of cool but uh i would beg my boss every so often and i'm like you know we, we do okay opening weekend when we play the avengers or iron man or whatever but then it just it dies off right away i'm like we gotta can we just do like one friday night in place you know these old grindhouse uh horror types of films i said you'd you'd get a good Amount of people out here, I think, for that because we were still pretty close to the metro area of uh, uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul, and uh, he never he never bid on it, and it, it always made me kind of sad. So that sounds like a, a treat. Yeah, and I would rather see zombie in pieces. Oh, yeah, exactly. Me too. <laughs> mm-hmm. But the first Evil Dead really is good. It's probably um, the second Evil Dead's better. Yeah, it's better, but it's higher budget, and I I really like the first one because it's one of the very first, like, gory horror movies I ever saw when I was a kid, and it's kind of, yeah. it's kind of like, uh, holds a special place in my heart. Plus, I met Sam Raimi before he became really famous, and he signed my Evil Dead poster, and so there's that as well, so... Well, I met Ted Raimi after he was really famous, and we had drinks, and he had nice socks. That's cool. Yeah, wouldn't expect anything less. Was Ted and, wasn't wasn't Ted in that movie about the supermarket and the guy that was doing the slasher? It was like a slasher movie. I forget what it was called. Was it called Intruder, maybe, or something? You guys ever saw that? I have no idea. Huh? But it was in Minneapolis. Yeah, you're at Crypticon. Yeah. Interesting. I remember that. Yeah. Good time. My buddy talked to him for a while about the artwork he did and stuff like that. And then we walked away without buying anything. So I <laughs> he was a little let down. <laughs> oh, conventions. So, um, Jalo Meltdown. Yeah. I was going to say, last but not least, we need to talk about Richard Glenn Schmidt's new book that just came out this week. Um, I am happy to have a copy of it in my hands um it's called jalo meltdown and um the best way to describe it is um imagine if you tried to force yourself to watch say 12 to 14 jolly in a row uh without a break and what might that experience be like um and it's documented here in the book now it started with him writing these kind of um self-imposed marathons uh as articles on his blog and i think the blog is called doomed 
doomedmoviethon.com. So if you go to uh, doomedmoviethon.com and you check out um, the Jalo Meltdowns versions one through five, uh, you can get a sense of what um, the book is like. It's a very personal, first-person account of watching these films. Um, very tongue-in-cheek, very funny, um, but again, very interesting. And um, I really like the book simply because it's different than Troy's book and Adrian Luther Smith's book in that it's not so much a survey um, and there's no rhyme or reason to the order of these films. He just basically picked a bunch and decided to watch them. Um, luckily for everyone, there is an index in the back. So if you're looking for a particular film, you can find it that way. Um, but I have a couple of pages earmarked just to give you a, a sense of um, what kind of entertainment you're bound to get from this. Um, let's talk about, for example, a film called Play Motel. Um, Richard writes, at 9.26 a.m. he started watching Play Motel. Um, I'll just read you the first paragraph. Everything I know about this movie I learned from the professional, I'm sorry, from the promotional materials reprinted in Blood and Black Lace by Adrian Luther Smith, which on a side note is really funny because that's the only thing I know about the film as well. I've never seen it, but I've seen all the pictures in that book. I'm secretly hoping that this isn't the porno version. The movie starts with a hideous, rockish disco song that is so upbeat and happy that it's just nightmarish. A guy goes to a bar and orders a J&B by name. He picks up a hooker and takes her to her hotel room. The Play Motel theme song kicks in, and I am already in awe of this film. And it goes on that way. Um, one other clip or one other passage I'll read to you is, uh, the last paragraph in his experience in Slaughter Hotel of a film that we've all seen at 2.28 PM in the afternoon, he wrote this, uh, or he, or he watched the film. Uh, the last, <laughs> the last paragraph says the boring cops show up and they are understandably angry at the whole clusterfuck emphasis on fuck the situation has become. I am definitely warming up to this film, but I still can't stand the over-gooch. I am so glad that my dang mother-in-law wasn't in the room for this one. We're talking about serious anatomical details on display here. I suppose that any giallo with Kinski and his beautiful golden hair is worth giving a second chance, and the ending is totally manic and an incredible sight to behold. So, um, that's just a couple of... Um, samples from Richard's book. Uh, I recommend it. I, I like it. Um, it's going to kind of serve as a little checklist for me. I think I'm going to go through like maybe either with a highlighter or a pen and kind of mark off the ones that I've seen and kind of put a wish list together for things I want to see. Uh, he doesn't really give anything away, so there's no worries about spoilers. They're, they don't, he doesn't reveal any of the killers in, in any of his um, descriptions. Uh, or accounts, but uh, it's it's really cool. And like I said, if you want a sample of what the book is like, uh, the first five of his movie thons are online at the Doomed Movie Thon. And then, um, of course, the book starts out with an introduction. Um, and I think, uh, just quickly paging through how many of these he did. I think probably 12 or 13 at the end. So a lot. He watched 215 films, let's put it that way, um, which is 
quite an amazing uh, accomplishment, I think. So um, kudos to Richard. Um, I like the book. It uh, will definitely serve as a great bedside reading. It's one of those things that I'd like to pick up um, while I'm watching a giallo and kind of compare my own thoughts to what he's written down. And he, he doesn't write like five or six page essays on each film. He's just, you know, two or three paragraph blurbs that kind of give you a good sense of the film and, and the way he feels about them. And I guess when we start um, talking about So Sweet, So Dead, I can read you what he wrote about that one. So it was pretty cool. So I recommend it. Uh, he's got it on Amazon. Uh, there's a Kindle version. And um, the only thing that um, I, and it's not really a, cri a criticism because he's got a lot of writing in here, um, but there are no photos at all. So for those of you like me who thought maybe getting the hard copy meant getting some graphics along with it that you wouldn't necessarily get in a Kindle, um, that's not a reason to buy the hard copy. Uh, I like having the hard copy anyway. Um, I like having my hands on the book because it's one of those things that I'm going to kind of mark up um, and an earmark and things <clears> like that. But the Kindle version is, I think, what, six or seven bucks? And the paperback is uh, 16. And I'm sure that, you know, the reason why Troy's book is a little bit more expensive is because of all the reprint rights that he had to go through for the, um, for the, for the illustrations or the graphics or the screen grabs or what have you. So, um, Richard probably made a smart decision in deciding not to include that stuff. And again, um, it's the same stuff that we've seen in countless other books or other websites anyway, so it's nothing really new. If somebody uncovered some weird behind-the-scenes photo from a Jallo, it would be interesting, but I don't think that people are really doing that these days anyway. So, um, Giving it a thumbs up. It's not a tentative thumbs up. I really like it. I read... Um, the original meltdowns on the website anyway so I knew I was in for and I really liked the book so um, go check it out and buy it and support uh, Richard because he's an awesome writer and there you go awesome yes and that is a very commendable quest he um, also is one of the hosts on hello it's the doom show podcast cool right so he's got the whole doomed theme going on you know, I don't think I could ever do that. Sit down and watch Jello movies, or I might actually just quit this podcast altogether and be done with Jello movies altogether. But yes, I have to give it to him. I could. Yeah, I tried I could to last week. I could do it easily. I got maybe five movies in, and then your eyes were crossing, and you couldn't remember who was where and doing what. No, I just had to um, take care of some. Bodily inches oh, at that okay. point. Flappy. So it's just me then. I get it. I was hungry, guys. Come on. <laughs> no breaks. Yeah. Cool. All right. <laughs> so now what's happening? I think it's oh. time to talk about a movie. I do want to say real quick before oh. we do that, I'm sorry. We, we talked about doing this. There have been a lot of really awesome discussions going on on the Facebook group. So if you haven't yet um, graced us with your presence, please grace us now so. Because there's some really awesome stuff like uh, 
talking about uh, what is a Jalo film again, kind of going through that, um, some Argento discussion, um, and then this really in-depth one about Spaghetti Jolly, which um, made me want to make some ziti. <laughs> but um, good stuff all around. So if you're not doing that yet, you might want to consider it. You're missing half the fun, at least. It's like uh, Yahoo Groups for the new generation. Wow. You guys remember Yahoo Groups? It's like the BBS for like sure. 30 years later. <laughs> right, like mailing That's... lists. Are there, are there still mailing lists? Yeah. Like email lists? Yeah. List, serve, whatever. That's like that's like my heart, man. It's like my lifeblood. Your heart has a mailing list? Yeah. Nice. You mail your heart out to people? Pieces yeah. Of it? <laughs> a little bit at a time. When my when my volleyball coach lets me leave in the middle of a game for no reason. <laughs> I have a great question <laughs> that I thought of. Um, Keep it in a jar on my desk. When, when I was watching this, I was wondering if Creep was going to decide that the, the, the guys in this film play volleyball better than the children play hopscotch in uh, Who Saw Her Die. Well, there was a lot of thumb knuckle going on. And if anyone knows anything about volleyball... You know that thumb knuckle should be kept low, but That's you true. know, I don't know what they were going for here. Hard it's to say. <laughs> so sweet, so dead, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, <clears throat> we didn't have a dead air on episode thirty-seven. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> um, did we have a trailer for this? No, actually, there okay. is no trailer So that I could find anyway. Oh. But I would like to say that I did um, take a lot of time today at work when I should have been working, and I found that someone had posted an hour and 25 minutes worth of a soundtrack related to this film. I'm not exactly sure what it is. It starts off with... The main theme, it sounds a little bit different than the main theme in the actual movie, but um, after a song is over, I think maybe one or two minutes will go by before something else starts to play. And yeah. I've gone through it, and it seems like all of the important music or incidental music is in there. So we're going to throw that, obviously, underneath the podcast, and it will probably be... Um, interesting to see. I'm going to try to edit out some of the, I listened to it today and there's some rough bits in it. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to try to edit out some of it, but, um, you know, I have this, uh, thing called a life and I don't know if I'm going to let that interfere with it too much. Well, I, I have guys, the, I have the whole try. thing as an MP3, so I will make, take a stab at doing that, uh, before I send it to you. Oh, okay. And we'll see. You, I mean, yeah, if you want to, knock yourself out. At the that very least, amazing. it'll it'll pull out the si the parts that are in silence. Although I was thinking that the silence wouldn't be that big of a deal if it's, 
you know, being used while we're, you know, underneath us talking. So, but anyway, we're getting into um, your sexual euphemisms are putting me off, sir. <laughs> They're unintended to be. You know, they are just friendly. too many. We are getting in the sleazy mood here tonight. I, I feel like I'm wearing a pink beanie and I'm trapped in an elevator with a man in a coat. In a mustache. Yeah. I mean, if, okay, I know this is getting ahead of ourselves, <laughs> but if, he, okay, so he's not the killer, obviously, but why would he still, what normal person would go into an elevator and just stare at someone and breathe heavily that close to her and then just like get out when at his floor the person you know, maybe, gonna... maybe he was hoping she would like <clears throat> kind of wink at him or like play with her hair a little bit right and then i mean start playing with her hair and yeah. then it would and just I, get filthy i know there's mentally troubled people out there in the world and i don't want to you know say that they're not citizens or human beings but that's just a little too out there yeah, he looked, he looked a little too uh, rough around the edges. Yeah. He was obviously one of the guys that just, like, carries heavy equipment from the truck into the set. And they <laughs> put this on and look like a sleazy creep. And he's like, got it. Yeah, a sex maniac. It's like, be myself. Not a problem. I know, yeah, I know they're trying to do, like, a cinematic thing here with getting us to be nervous and scared, but in a logical world which is where i exist at all times yeah doesn't work out well it, it was probably uh, a more effective scene at the time when it was shown to the audience as it was intended to i mean we're clearly jaded when this guy walks in the elevator going well clearly that's not him you know <laughs> right and I've, I've had my fair share of people like that in the elevator with me at work so i'm just used to it by now <laughs> It might be the getup too. Like his jacket and his gloves, everything looked very brand new and clean, like fresh off the wardrobe rack. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think if it looked a little more scummy, or just like a little more worn, it probably would have worked out a little bit better. Like, ooh, sure. All right. <laughs> if you're going to rape people in elevators, there is a way you have to do it. There is a protocol. Right. Yeah. I think there's a Yahoo group discussing how to do that, too, so. <laughs> so, so sweet, so dead. So let's talk about the film, sure. Let's do it. So, this movie is about an hour and 36 minutes. All right. Um, that was my joke for the evening. It what? did not pan out as well as I hoped. I was going to say it went over well. Yeah. Um <laughs> But uh, it's a fun little film that has a series of murders happening to women who are whores or women who just cheat on their rich husbands. Yeah, and not paid whores. No, they're just skanky whores. And yeah. I think the word whore is used a bit too loosely here because they're just looking for love. Sure. You know, they're just in loveless marriages. It's a tale as old as time. Yes. <laughs> so because of this, all of these women are being brutalized and then having photographs of their um, 
indiscretions dropped upon their mutilated corpses for the police to find. Would anyone else like to take the synopsis from my hands? Because I'm afraid <laughs> I'm running this train into a mountain. Well, we, we, we should mention that the, uh, the men that these uh, women are married to that are not satisfying their needs seem to all be kind of like higher up, uh, upper class citizens within the area, which we never really find out where this is taking place. But it seems like uh, these they want to keep it hidden that not only uh, that these people were are being murdered uh, from the public, at least to kind of quell any panic, but they also don't want to let it be known that these women were cheating on their high high class uh, political uh, husbands. So that's kind of a big, big part of the plot, I believe. Yeah, and they, there's a lot of discussion if you read some of the reviews about, um, you know, how much I guess at this particular time period it was important to address the differences between the social classes. But I have to bring something up, and it's really a question for Al more than anybody else. But a lot of these films, this film, and you know. Um, the one, the Martino film, your your vice is a locked room, and only I have, I have the key, um, and a few other ones. They mention or they 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 talk about the bourgeois, and whenever I hear people talk about the bourgeois, it sounds like they're talking about rich people. And the way I understand it, the bourgeois is the middle class. So at least by definitions in wherever definitions come from, Wikipedia, basically. Um, now, obviously, there's blurring amongst the social classes in the modern age compared to when these terms were made up in France, but um, I think what we're talking about here is that um, the middle class, quote-unquote, is really the ruling class of people who work for a living. So I guess that's what we're talking about, the doctors, the lawyers... Um, people who make a good living, but they have to work, as opposed to the aristocracy, right, who are royalty and they don't have to work at all. So the bourgeois is this group of people, and I think there's a couple of scenes where the lawyer's daughter and her boyfriend are kind of in between those two worlds, like they're hanging out and they're trying to be hippies and they're going to hippie dance parties and talking about bourgeois and talking about political things while they make out or not make out or whatever. Um, but what do you guys think? Is, is it seem like that the lines are kind of blurry about, you know, what is this quote unquote definition of bourgeois or am I just like reading too far into it? Well, the more you talk about it, the more I see that there is a difference than what I would have already assumed, I guess. So that does make sense. But I <clears throat> I just look at it as the people who have some sort of power or at least influence to be able to make decisions and kind of fuck people out of shit. Right. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're rich enough to be able to afford swans to swim in their backyard. <laughs> But they're definitely not, uh, like you were saying, kind of, they didn't, 
they held power within the working class. They're new money. Yeah, but they they don't hold power with any any kind of state or you know, uh, um, yeah, political power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're getting heavy really so, right away, which is kind of so, interesting. So we we took we took that away from you, Al. We <laughs> answered that one for you. But we would love to Just know. Like guessing a bunch. But we would still love to know how the the right side of the globe. Um, thinks about these things. So. It's true. I mean, that's where the bourgeoisie kind of sprouted from anyway, so, and we just kind of put on our own assumptions of it, so it, it could be very different, but as far as this film is concerned, it seems like they're all just, they're upper middle class, um, and they, they have a lot to hide. They, right. they don't want to be seen as on the same level as the homosexuals and the hippies and the buggies and, and stuff like that. Yes. Now, I have another question. Do you guys remember there being very many, like, wide-type outdoor shots in this film? You know what? I read you see, saying that, and that, no. Like, uh, beyond the girl getting killed on the beach. Yeah. Like, I'm, I can't really think of any super wide shots that show anything. But I did notice that there were a few scenes that looked like they were on a soundstage. Like, <clears throat> the first murder takes place in a room that's all curtains. Yeah. yeah. And then there's, like, this window that looks like it's sunlight outside, but that could just be a light in a window so besides the outdoor stuff when he's like walking with the medical examiner guy like i don't know where the fuck that is but that's like their meetup spot they're like hey let's walk around in a circle here and talk about some shit everything else is like their two houses or the backyards yeah it's mostly the lawyer's inside. house and the cripple's house yeah because yeah, i mean is. i got a i got like a sense and i think you know you you've alluded to this already, creep. I, I mentioned this on my website. This film feels like it's got an urban feel to it, um, but there really is no evidence that they're in an urban environment. And there's even a couple of times where Capuana is talking about how he really wanted to get away from the urban landscape of crime and um, work as a cop out in the in the country. And it's, it's ironic because now he's got all of these well-to-do people, but you still have this murder going on. So my assumption is that this really isn't an urban environment. It's, there's, there's, there's not a lot of public transportation and there's no big, you know, um, wide outdoor shots of lots of people walking and, and lots of buildings and whatnot or lots of architecture. So uh, I went to, on the assumption that this is not an urban um, setting basically. Although you're right, I, I don't really know that there's very many outdoor shots. And some of the ones that are outdoors are at, are supposed to be at night, so it's kind of dark anyway. So, Yeah, and, and who knows how far they had to drive out to, to uh, catch that fake criminal. You know, that's that seemed like it came right out of one of those rural giallo films where they, yeah. they found this old kind of crusty farmhouse somewhere. Yeah. That was one of the only, only exterior shots that I can remember as well. So everything else, like Creep was saying, felt very claustrophobic and all the all the rooms felt like they were on sound stages, and I don't know if that's just 
the way that this director works because he was like 70 years old when he did it or or what was going on but it just felt kind of old-fashioned in a way well and this guy is like uh clearly like a uh, spaghetti western director too right so maybe uh-huh. it's got that kind of sensibility about it like what you know you, they bring out the cops and the detective knocks on the door and then the other guy shoots an m16 machine gun at the, that was awesome. at, at the window at the top <laughs> i mean it's crazy give him a warning oh. shot <laughs> if you don't rip him the shreds we'll arrest him you know <laughs> but we really um so it, it's it's really interesting because the the film i think has some things going on under the surface that can be talked about or discussed but really it's just a sleazy slasher giallo i mean it's just a bunch of boobs and stabbings and black gloves and that weird like clarinet singing music every time the killer's about to strike and it's gross yeah i mean i i enjoyed all of that weird kind of um uh kind of anti-tonal music that's going on like that weird stuff it it but the film reminded me a lot and maybe it's because of the cast but it reminded me a lot of some of the other films that have that kind of trashiness to them like um strip nude and um the case of the bloody iris and it reminded me a little bit of uh seven bloodstained orchids as well i'm not exactly sure why um just had that same kind of look to it but well i think a lot of the cast like you've seen in other stuff like um the second victim the redheaded chick is the chick from strip nude that's dating the chick who runs the modeling agency um the lawyer's wife isn't she in seven bloodstained orchids isn't she like the one that has a twin or something like that Spoiler. Well, I know uh-huh. one of the one of the women that I remember from Iris, the woman who gets in this film who gets killed in the train while she's smoking yeah. a cigarette. She's like the lesbian neighbor, who's the yeah. daughter of the guy who plays the violin, right? So yeah, and um, but then like uh, obviously you have Susan Scott. Um, She's been in a ton of those things. And um, even Tony, the the creep fucking guy who works with the dead bodies, wasn't he the dude in um, Death Walks on High Hills? Yeah, yeah, he was the uh, caretaker. <laughs> yeah, totally. But is this, is this the first time we've gotten to see um, Susan Scott's um, nether regions? For... Yeah, I think it is. <clears throat> she had and, like an um, extended sex scene. I, I, yeah, I don't know what cop. Like I, I so, sorry to interrupt, but I don't. I don't think we all watched the same copy. So I think Eric probably watched the DVD that came from Al, and I don't know what format that was in. And creep, you watched something else. Um, the version that I had, just to kind of set the the tone for what I had, was somebody, believe it or not, on Cinemageddon decided to take the German DVD release, which has got a really good picture quality, and found the English audio source and did a fan dub version of the film. Um, And for the scenes that were in Italian, they put the subtitles. So basically I was watching a pretty full, like fully uncut version of the film, which 
every once in a while, just like um, footprints from last week or last time, it would jump to a lower quality version for the Italian scenes and then jump back yeah. into the, um, but would jump back into the English scenes. What was really interesting for me was that I t had the film converted over to MP4 so I could watch it on my phone while I was on the train, but I didn't uh, put the subtitles with it. So when it got to the part where Capuana is reading the newspaper clippings at the end, yeah. I didn't know what they said. And I had no idea how that uh, related to the motive and the story and everything. And it wasn't until I watched it again with the subtitles on that I saw some of the notes and then Al was kind enough to give me the um, translations for the newspaper clippings as well. So it kind of pieced things together a little bit more for me. But what versions of the film did you guys see? I don't know what what version. Did you guys get English versions at all? No, mine was uh, German and Italian audio with the uh, English subtitles, and it was that one Al sent. And I can only assume it was the uh, camera, camera Obscura Region 2 release. Right. Uh, because it sounded exactly like that when I would read some reviews online where it would have a really clear picture for most of the cut and then it would get kind of grainy for some of the extended uh, scenes, including that Susan Scott love scene. And uh, I, I believe that this film, like many Jello films, just has so many cuts floating around up there that it, it is hard to keep track of. And unfortunately, none of them are really in wide release for Region 1 especially, but I don't, I don't know, even for the rest of the world right now, what it's like. Um, I think I have uh, the same one Chris has. But um, it sounds like all of us, If I think if all of us saw Susan Scott's um, Fur Burger, that we all yeah. saw the same one. But to be one honest, crack. I almost liked it better all grainy like that. <laughs> oh, yeah, Those shots looked great. Felt like Kiro being kind of a voyeur. <clears throat> I was... Fun. Mm. Yeah. Well. Anyway. But, yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I, I agree with the uh, the sleazy quality, and I, I feel like this is kind of just like a jelly film made for jelly enthusiasts and fans, just because of of all those characters, those recognizable faces, and they don't you don't know what their names are for the most part, but you you know that you've seen them before, and they're basically just playing themselves. Uh, there's no development or introduction of their character. They're just there to get their throat slit by a switchblade. <laughs> right. I agree, because a lot of times I will make an effort to try to remember characters' names. For this film, I remember Capuana, and that's it. I don't remember anybody uh -huh. else's name on this film. And it didn't matter. I mean, I don't even know the name of the guy who was ended up being the killer at the end. I had to look up his name on IMDb as his character's name so I could reference it. <laughs> so, yep. But that, you just basically have to be like, oh, that's Kristenell, and that's that Annabella and Contrera lady yeah, right. that I've heard about. Well, like, I kind of disagree with you guys on this, whereas I love all the characters in this movie. Like, and I don't necessarily remember their names, but I don't remember anyone's name anyway in any movie. So that might not be the best... Um, example of my talents when it comes to viewing a film but um, <laughs> like I just really dug all the characters in this I thought all yeah. of, like 
trying to think of one like especially that first scene where like not the first scene but the scene where they pull all the people in off the street that are like the like the usual suspects come on cleopatra you hate women because you're a homosexual i don't know what you're talking about you know like (laughs) it just like i don't know like i'm really i really dug this a lot like and I, I think you guys liked it too, but just as far as the characters go, but um, yeah. I would say the the problem for me, and, that, and it's not really a problem, it's just more of an observation. It seems like there is a, not a void, but like this is like right on the cusp where like half the cast in this movie, like the fashion is amazing. And then it gets worse with certain characters the furniture the decor all that stuff is a little older than what some of the cast you would think they would have like it almost looks like all of these people are going to their grandma's house to act out their scenes (laughs) you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. and like you might get the stray like awesome lampshade or um cool hair or a nice fucking coat but for the most part just the design of this film isn't very good i think and when you look at it and after talking about how it was shot like you start noticing how tight and how claustrophobic a lot of this movie is and there's even scenes when people are trying to exit a room and they have to turn their shoulders sideways just to make it past the camera. You know what I'm saying? Like there's a lot of weird little bits like that, but I think this movie is amazing in the sense that it has a bunch of beautiful women. And like, I don't know if it's just because we watched footprints last time, but this was a like welcomed warmly with the amount of hot tail that was in this movie. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> like, it, it was just nice. Like, it was just like one after another. But then, I don't know. So, go ahead, guys. There, there was <laughs> one room with awful wallpaper, and I can't remember <laughs> if it was the lawyer's office or not, but I wanted to throw up. Yeah. And I almost stopped the movie. Out of shitty fucking wallpaper. You didn't have a bucket next next to you? No. I was just swallowing it back down because I'm a man. Wow. He likes his interior design. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think... I mean, I, I like the character. I, know, I, I don't think that the characters aren't likable at all. I just don't think there was any thought put into them. They're definitely a lot of fun. I mean, and you got that massage scene. Oh, yeah. The massage scene was great. So right. it's it's like that's stuff like that. I didn't know that that was his wife, the cop's wife. Yeah, I had no idea until the end of the movie, and I was like, "Holy fucking shit!" That's yeah. who that fucking chick was. Did that you ha- guys know that? That no, that happened to me twice. The first time was I remember vaguely this massage scene where there was three women, and one of them is the girl. F- that gets killed on the train, right? That's the wife of the lawyer guy who has an affair with Susan Scott's character. The second woman is Capuana's wife. And the third one, I think, is the girl who has the psychic mother 
who's reading the tarot yeah. cards at the end. Yeah. And I but forgot the it. why you can't tell it's his wife is because she's got her hair up in a towel. In a towel, right. <clears throat> but but he had a scene with his wife prior to that scene, right? Yeah, but it was like a wider, like they were farther away from the camera. Right. She looked and half different. the scene, she had her back turned to the camera. Right. Like they were sitting on a couch kind of thing. Yeah. And it was like kind of looking over her shoulder. And so it, I don't know if that was intentional or not, but if it was intentional, that was smart as shit. I think. Because it totally, like, you don't think, because one of the things that I really like about this movie, and I don't know if this is something that a lot of the Poliziozzo movies do, but he can't, like, right in the beginning, he comes up and he's like, well, this case is done. I can't do anything. I can't go after these people. I can't bring in their husbands. I can't do anything because they're the higher ups. Right. My hands are tied. And to come at that, because usually what a movie like this would do would be he would try, bring somebody in, the, the they would lawyer up, and then he would get yelled at by his boss, and he would say, well, I'm a rebel, and I'm going to do whatever I want, because I'm the cop, you know? But in this case, he was just like, yeah, I'm fucked. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck to do. Right. <laughs> and I thought that was really, like, a different take. And so I don't know if that's, like, a ongoing trope in that type of film, but it was new to me. And so I never put him in the same social class right. as the people he was investigating. But obviously his wife hangs out with all those people, but we never even know that. Right. That's a you good, know? And a, I, that's a good point. The question is, was that done intentionally to obscure the audience from kind of looping or grouping his wife in with all the rest of these women? Because if you started to put two and two together from that first scene where they're all doing the massage together, you're saying, well, that's his wife, and clearly she's going to end up being a victim if the rest of them are. But because she's got her hair up in a towel, and because the previous scene, she looked a lot different, you don't make that connection. Like you said, I didn't make that connection right away. You didn't make that connection right away. And the question is, was that done on purpose? You know? If it was, that's a really good question. Right? It, 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 it totally this is. type of film, yeah. just that was like seriously one of the best. Well, I think you know one of the things that Giallo does really well is misdirection, right? I mean, they try so hard to throw so many different people at you that you're supposed to be, well, is this the killer? Is this the killer? And obviously, sometimes it's obviously that it's a really bad red herring, and other times it's very, very subtle. And maybe this was one of those times. I don't know. Well, in this movie, too, the red herring's Tony. And when they first show him there with his, like, creepy blonde hair, like, in the first scene with him, you're like, oh, that guy's obviously a suspect. He's so fucking creepy. Right. But then you're like, oh, that's too obvious. Then he goes to his house. Oh, this is too obvious. Oh, but could he be the one? And right. I got to the point where I was, like, going... The red herring is probably the most likely suspect. <laughs> right. <laughs> but then again, oh, then that was... Moro, the, uh, the forgotten BG brother who climbs that ladder to the window. Oh, dude. Kind of comes in half that too. <laughs> well, and He's let's, a good red herring. Let's talk about the kind of the diversion that never went anywhere with the daughter and the boyfriend yes. and the fact that she 
witnessed the murder of Susan Scott's character and the killer saw her. And I think my, one of my favorite scenes is where she's with her boyfriend and he's like, do you want me to come and get you and take you home? And she's like, no, I'll walk. And meanwhile, she knows that the killer has seen her and is probably going to come after her. So why would she walk home by herself? Well, I was thinking about that. And I think because the killer was in a disguise, like he probably, like I'm thinking he thought, well, she obviously doesn't know who the fuck I am. I look amazing. Right. I'm completely disguised. But um, I don't know. Because, like, I think by her freaking out about it a little bit, that would tell us that the next thing that's going to happen is she's going to get killed. Yeah. But then it didn't. Yeah, yeah I, was, I was a little disappointed they'd kind of drop that, that subplot because it was the first time in this film that I felt like it might actually be going somewhere other than being a, this proto slasher where people were getting cut up. Um, there were some interesting moments, but didn't feel like there was really a plot to latch onto until that sort of came in. Uh, witnessing Susan Scott get murdered and everything. And, and, uh, so yeah. And then she, she kind of just transferred it over to the lawyer's wife who then kind of became a red herring herself uh, for maybe just five seconds. But, it was it was kind of disappointing to see that that she was just dropped like that, and I and I wonder if it was just one of those happy accidents uh, that they forgot well, about halfway through. As far through. as motive goes, like he didn't have any real motive to kill her, other than she might have recognized him. But how could she have recognized him? Yeah, I mean, I was kind of wait. That's what I was waiting for, like her to reveal that. She was cheating on her boy boyfriend, or, or there was something going on, and he would have to go after the the girl and make it like this this real kind of cat and mouse game. But right, it, it just got dropped entirely. Well, and then eventually her mother gets killed on the train, and which is awesome. You you're wondering if she's going to take the role of amateur detective and mm -hmm. and run an investigation parallel to Capuana. And, you know, who's going to race to the end to, to reveal the killer. But she's just completely disregarded when you get to... It's like after her mother is killed, they she's mentioned about the fact that she's very upset. She heard it on the radio or something, or she read it in the paper. And we don't see or hear anything else about her. Um, but I think, you know, uh, Eric probably has a, a little bit of a... At least a little bit of a... Um, idea about maybe they were going with that and then they got so far in, within the production and they decided you know what let's not develop this let's have another uh, boobs and stabbing scene yeah. and then we'll yeah, we'll wrap it up with Capuana and be done with it because the ending is awesome um, it is it is the ending is awesome but the how he figured it out that doesn't make any sense yeah, it's not that it just doesn't make any sense. It's just kind of like tedious. And because the thing is, like, I was watching it, and the, there was a fucking song playing the whole time. He was listening back to the <laughs> right. tape recorder, so I didn't even know what the fuck he was doing. I'm like, is is he supposed to be writing notes and he's just doodling? That's, and they just got it in the shot. That's <laughs> like, exactly the same thing that happened to me. I thought that the sound of the clock was uh what's what is it non-diegetic or 
whatever the term is for yeah. music that plays outside of the world of the characters. Um, but then I noticed all of a sudden, like I'm hearing this weird chiming sound and I just thought it was part of the soundtrack and then he hits the stop button on the recorder and all of a sudden that noise also stops abruptly and I'm like, oh, okay, he's listening to that thing. And, you know, obviously it's something that's been done before. I think the the obvious one is the Argento bird with the crystal plumage. Crystal plumage, yeah. Yeah, when the, when the guy calls on the phone and you can hear the bird in the background and they are, they're able to trace it to the, the zoo or the whatever. The zoo! Yeah. But I think, you know, what happened here is like, I at least personally, I'm so used to this Argento style of we're going to establish what this thing is earlier in the film and then the character is going to have a memory of it. You know, it happened, but like, you know, in, in, in Deep Red, for example, he sees something in the painting, but it's not really a painting. And then he comes back to, to see it again later. And um, in this movie... We have no idea how Capuano knows who owns that clock. Other than the fact that he knows the person who owns the clock and he's been to that person's house before or office. Well, because or... if anything would have shown us that, that whole sequence where he goes and finds the newspaper and he finds the dark room, that would have been no mystery there. Right. You know, like that was still... And the whole killer reveal at the very, very end... Like, if we would have known any way that how he could have known whose clock that was, there was probably about 10 minutes of footage that we didn't need. Right, and you, you, know wouldn't, you wouldn't even need the reveal, because you already knew who it was. <clears throat> yeah. So, but the, the conversation that he had, are we saying who the killer is? It's, yes, we're saying sure. it's, it's the, uh, the doctor, right? The main pathologist. Yeah. The doctor. And I think the way Al explained it was it's like there was this very throwaway piece of dialogue where they did the doctor earlier in the movie and he said something like he was going to come back over to his house. So we, we kind of knew that he had actually spent time in the house. But, but as question about viewers of this film, we didn't know that. Did he say, like, did he say my wife and I would like you and your wife to come over again for dinner? Or did he say, I would love to have you and your wife over for dinner again? Well, I would have to go back and... Yeah, I don't know. The again... The, subtitles. the again is really the, the important word. But it's not just that. It's just that did, does he know that this dude's wife died? Like, because if he would have said, you need to come have dinner with me and my wife again... And he knew that the dude's oh, wife was dead. I see what you mean. Yeah. So, like, but that whole, like, the cheating bit. And I, I don't know if this would be too close to home for him to be working on the case of someone who's murdering adulterers if he knew about it. Like, if the cop knew that his cheating wife was killed. Right. Like, would he, would that guy even be working the case that's so <laughs> right. similar to his? So, well, I don't, I don't know that it matters. I mean, so many people are like all together in this, in this thing, right? Because the lawyer, his alibi was that he was playing bridge with the chief of police or something, right? Yeah. 
So they're all kind of incestuous anyway. So, so he should have known that this guy's wife died. You would think so, right? He Unless probably... it happened like years and years ago, like before anything. But then what triggered the killing in the first place? I'm reading way too much into this. Sure. I apologize. And, and, and I'm going to yeah, find the scene um, where he gets invited over while you guys talk and see if I can get okay. what, what the subtitles say. Okay. Well, I'll just mention what I, how I, <laughs> I actually viewed the film the first time. It's kind of a little bit silly, and it kind of erased the impact of the ending for me because it was the way I watched it. Lube. Yes. I watched the uh, the the uh, porn spliced version of it, but it had a very different ending. But no, I, I saw it as he got there and he was watching himself kill his own wife for adultery, and I thought it was gonna be one of those uh, "we're gonna fuck with your mind" endings of a Giallo film, and show that he was listening to the clocks in his own office or something like that. And because the face behind the the mask, it looked quite similar. I thought, other than. I mean, I guess you couldn't really tell if it was a mustache or not, but yeah, I, I thought it was Capuana at first, and then when right. it was revealed that it was this doctor who was in there, maybe for three or four scenes, uh, I was I was a little bit let down, and uh, I had to think a bit, think back to those kind of conversations that he would have with them about how he would find out that it was his clocks, and if they did talk about inviting <clears throat> him over for dinner. Well, I'm looking at um, the newspaper clipping right now, and it the date on the newspaper clipping says 1972, and that's the year the movie came out. So okay. the murder of his wife or the death of his wife had to have been very recent. Yeah. Um, Mercedes 24 Madge? Maya? I don't know. Um, that was me. Wednesday, Wednesday, May. Ah, look at you. Look at the big brain hey. on Brad. <laughs> Joe's doing the Rosetta stuff. But, um, yeah, I think. You smart motherfucker. If it was in the newspaper, though, wouldn't Capuana have at least knew a little bit about it? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, but maybe I... it doesn't say who it is, but then it has a picture of the girl. Yeah. I've, I've got the scene. Um, and I've got the subtitles turned on, and basically the doctor says, why don't you come to my place for dinner sometime? And then the next line is, together with your wife, of course. Uh, so there's no mention of... I think you're right in assuming that Capuana knows that this guy's wife died. Um... But this scene is really interesting for me, too, when they're talking about... Well, the scene first starts out with the doctor telling him that he shouldn't suspect the um, mort mortician guy or the whatever role this guy serves because he is so he's so uh, opposed to death because he tries to erase it away he would never kill anyone but that scene before I knew what the doctor's motives were I went back and watched the scene again and first he says perhaps the killer is a homosexual and then he says, perhaps the killer is impotent. And he goes out and kills all the other women because he can't have any of them. So before I knew what the newspaper clipping said, I assumed that those were one of the two 
motives for why he was the killer, but I didn't guess the killer for sure. Not even close. Yeah. I, I thought it was kind of a fun, interesting twist too at the end when they tried to get the killer out of hiding by catching a guy who they deemed a uh, dimwit. Right. And then they thought that just that the killer would be so insulted that he would just come out of hiding. I thought Which that was kind does. of a fun touch. It he does indeed yes he calls him and tries to play a little mind game with him and there's this definite tension between the two and and who was going to one up the other one but uh, i think in the end capuana won with that little trick well so capuana when he finds out it's the doctor and goes to his house he finds the dark room and he finds a picture of his wife bumping uglies with his nephew <laughs> and so he calls his nephew's house, who he has a maid, obviously. And um, even though she's on a phone, there's a phone right next to her, which is weird. <laughs> but um, she says, yeah, he's not here. He's at the beach house. And so then he doesn't say anything and just looks off into nothing and hangs the phone up and runs down to the beach house. And this is where shit gets interesting and I'll keep talking if you want. Yeah. So keep, then the, what happens? the voice. Keep okay. talking, please. So then the nephew shows up, and we've never met the nephew before, but he starts having these flashbacks of all the times when he probably almost caught them doing the nasty a few times, but blew it off at nothing. So whatever. So the nephew gets to the beach house, and he's like walking around, pours himself a drink, starts drinking, and then he gets a phone call and says, her husband knows, get out of there. So who do you think that was? Was it Capuana or was it Capipa Poopo? <laughs> that's a good question, right? Because yeah, That's why I thought it was this weird identity crisis ending that we were going to yeah. see. Hmm. Well, anyway, so he gets this call that scares him enough to get in his little tiny red car and get the fuck out of there. Okay. So then the chick comes over, the Capuana wife, and she's walking around. She sees a half a drink. She acts like no big deal. There's always half drinks around. She makes herself a drink. <laughs> she takes off her clothes and gets in the robe that's on a lot of the posters for this, which is a spoiler in itself. There's some nice green furniture in here. Very comfortable looking. Um, and then all of a sudden... The killer comes in and the killer starts fucking killing and shit. <laughs> and while this is happening, Capuana is looking through the window, not doing the goddamn thing. And he waits until bitch is dead. And then he comes in and starts going bang, 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 and shoots the motherfucker down. Mm. And then sits there for a moment. And then decides to call it in. Now, I think he should have burned the house down. <laughs> you don't think he wanted to be emasculated like the rest of those no. high up men? He should have just burned the house down and let everyone think that the crazy guy that they arrested was the killer. Because yeah. nobody knew that he called him. Nobody knew any of this shit went down. He totally could have got away with it. Motherfucker. Blew it. Well, it is it is a very cynical ending from what I've uh, read and what I've observed on, on my own. It's a, 
very almost nihilistic ending for this character. Yeah. And like you brought up earlier with the Polichetti films, you don't really know if that's that's a theme or not. But it, yeah, it, it doesn't really think highly of of women. And and I don't know if this goes back to you know the they dropped the storyline with the girl before she could become a, a powerful amateur detective. And I mean, we like it because we like all the boobs and everything. But the way that he's watching his wife get killed and all these women get killed, it's it's like there's there's not a very high opinion of women in this film well he's really well see this is another thing i don't understand like she's like let's get the fuck out of here my dad offered you a job at his farm. stupid thing firm or farm or whatever farm. <laughs> and he's like no i love my job and so she's like okay well then i'm gonna keep fucking your nephew at the fucking <laughs> beach house and I don't know, man. Like, the fact that he just, like, as far as heroes go in these movies, the fact that he was just, like, yeah. I kept thinking he was going to wait until, like, she was a little fucked up and then come in and save her. Or he would get to her right as her dying words were like, I'm sorry, mustache man. But, like... (laughs) He just fucking let her die, dude. Yeah. Just uh-huh. straight up. Like, yeah, you cheated on me. Like, what's he going to do to the nephew now? Probably nothing. Probably Orange. nothing. But this Maybe is. Maybe the... steal those green couches. I mean, clearly, this is going to be the best way for him to cope because if he, if he saved his wife from the murderer, he was going to have to live with the fact that they both knew about her indiscretions. Um, and if, uh, if he, if the, the killer just came and killed her, um, I have it. I understand. He crumpled up the pictures. So maybe he takes the pictures. Uh, Well, he would have to have taken them out of the guy's house too. He takes the pictures, destroys them, calls the inspector guy, the commissioner, and says, yeah, um, I caught him. He was trying to kill my wife. I told her to go stay at the beach house to be safe. And he, he said he was going to hunt her down and kill her. Maybe uh, that could work. That could work because he was getting too close. Yeah. Sniffing too close. Yeah. So there you go. It's just as good as any the, explanation I've heard. Sure. <laughs> yeah. We saved the day. We did. Yeah. Saved face. So, what do you Yay, think? We like still this an one. Asshole for getting your wife killed. Do we all like this one? Yeah. Yeah. It's cool, right? Like, like is this the first yeah. time we've had one where we all kind of agree at the same level of like likingness? Is that a word? Well, I, I don't know if I'm like creeping. It's just this. It's a really nice sight for sore eyes, and our eyes are pretty sore <laughs> from what we've had to go through. <laughs> no offense to our listeners, but. Um. But yeah, it's just nice to get back to this. Basically, classic. Eric saying that you guys pick shitty films. Yeah, <laughs> yeah in no uncertain I think terms. They're just, they're just trying to troll us. Well, not everyone can pick Sister Ursula, Eric. So I know it's been picked. I know. I'm, and I'm so happy that we got to get back to this classic 1972, right in the wheelhouse, the sleazy with some kitsch style to it, though maybe not not as much as Creep would have liked. But no, yeah, I, just think I, I had I something. Seriously, we'll watch this for everyone movie over and over again. Right. Yeah. Like, I really, this is the first time I saw it and I loved it. Right. Yeah. Agreed. This the, is definitely a throw the music on. Music is great. 
Yeah. Music is awesome. And it's uh, there's there's some jazzy parts that kind of like you said were kind of atonal at at points, but maybe they they'll grow on me. But the, I think the composer is pretty prolific, although. I didn't spend the time looking up all of his stuff. I think he did some work on Deep Red, like the non-goblin stuff. Um, but I can't remember what else he's done. I've seen his name crop up a bunch of times. You say crap up? Crap up. Um, I yep. have an interesting question for the two of you. I'm trying to find the poll uh, on our site. And maybe I took it down. Buried. Very deep. Um, he buried his pole deep inside. I wanted to see if you guys wanted to, to pick your favorite of the fan picks. Or if we should save that for another episode. Why are you dropping this on us now, Chris? I don't know. <laughs> you know we like to prepare. <laughs> this is true. Oh, I'm looking at the I have a hard time remembering page. like the last episode we did, much less... That's why I'm looking at the wrong last page. Last eight or so. Talk amongst yourselves for just a few I more seconds. I still can't believe he called it in. But um, also, <laughs> little things to note. Did you guys notice that cute little phone cozy at the hairdresser's Damn place? It. You beat <laughs> yes, me to it. <laughs> I've never seen one of those before. That was awesome. The the felt phone cozy? Is, is that to make sure it stays cool? I is believe cool? so. That's awesome. Yeah, apparently. Maybe to keep fingerprints off of it. Yeah. Since, since all the uh, infidelity, all the, the cheating wives like to go there. There was um, a nice yellow Vespa in this that I enjoyed looking uh -huh. at. There was a lot of nice shots of the floorboard of it, which was great. Sure. Unless you don't know what a floorboard of a Vespa looks like. He had on a nice coat. Let's talk about that shit party she had at her house when her <laughs> mom had that shit wig on. Yeah, what? that was her, right? <laughs> yeah, That's she's like, I oh, I gotta too. act like a mom. Let me put this crappy fucking wig on so these boys don't try to rape me. Yeah, like, that, that, was that confused the shit out of me for a second because it was like, it didn't look like her at all. But it was the mom. And she, and she basically yeah. just let them all come over and dance and then decided to send them all home. They all dance and drink J&B. And yep. the daughter always looks awesome. She always has great clothes on. And every single one of her friends looked like they were dressed by a homeless bum who like lived outside of a liquor store. And there was way right. too much blue eyeshadow in that room <laughs> for that, those <laughs> shitty fucking clothes. Like I was like... Too much frizzy hair. Yeah, dude, there were some fucking fuggles in that group, dude. Yeah. But the guy who got his hand cut that you thought was from the Bee Gees, at first, <laughs> yep. I didn't like his coat, <laughs> but then I did like his coat. I was thinking that same thing when he's climbing up the ladder and his coat slash cape is hanging down <laughs> yeah, past dude. his ass. I'm like, I think Creep is going to like this coat because it looks it was like it's like velvet, a blue velvet. Blue velvet. <laughs> trench coat <laughs> it was like velour it was like what girls make yoga pants out of yes and we it were was... so happy that that invention exists as yeah well. you liked farley granger's tweed coat or whatever that was not especially whoever he, he popped up the collar come on i don't know man <laughs> he was a little rough around the edges uh 
Oh. One of the girls, the girl whose mom is a psychic or something like that, she had on a nice fur coat and a scene. Um, Susan Scott had on a nice fur burger in a scene. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> but um, there, there was, like, the daughter had just, like, amazing clothes for, like, that were, like, kind of contemporary school yet super hip kind of shit for the time. I thought her fashion was spot on. She was great. She'll be glad to hear that. And I liked her mom's stupid red hat that she kept like trying to make sit perfect on her head before she went to the train. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so Chris, I think I have an answer for you. For for what for what questions for which one you like the best? The yeah. So the choices red the, red the, queen. Yeah, the choices are opera, death walks at midnight, red queen kills seven times, footprints on the moon, or the one from tonight. So sweet, so dead. Oh, that's what the fuck you're talking about. Okay. Yeah. Was New York Ripper included in that too? I oh think? yeah, New York Ripper. Sorry, that's not on here. But yes, New York Ripper came first because everybody was. Going ape, ape shit about that one. He, he was hitting it really hard. Never mind. So, so you're asking which one of the fan picks did we like the best? That's right. I understand the question now. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Um, I will say tonight's pick, So Sweet, So Dead, was my favorite of the audience or listener pickers. Shoot, yeah, now I'm having a hard time with this because I, I like I liked Red Queen Kill seven times for when we did it and for a while after, but now this one is is uh, I'll, I'll have to I'll have to swish it around in my mouth a little bit and come back to you next week. It, it's a it's you know I ha I liked some of the films that you guys didn't like. I liked Footprints. Uh, I like Opera, and um, I didn't like Death Walks at Midnight too much. It was okay, but I think. Good. For me, it's a toss-up between this film and New York Ripper. Because New York Ripper, it, when I think about basically what you said, Creep, I could watch So Sweet, So Dead a million times more since, since watching it. And I feel the same way about New York Ripper. I, I, I watch New York Ripper a million times. I don't know what that says about me, but... Um, I know what it says pretty about fucked up. <laughs> it's a pretty fucked up movie, but... Um, so if I had to go, if I had to choose between them, it's like the end of the world and there's only two Jolly left and it's so sweet and so dead versus New York Ripper. I think I have to pick um, so sweet, so dead because yeah. it's more indicative of the genre and what the See, genre is See, it's so all about. weird because my number two would be like a tie with Death Walks at Midnight and Red Queen. And I'm sure your number two wouldn't be either one of those. Your number two would probably be New York Ripper, right? Probably. I'm not. Red Queen is my least favorite of all the films we did from the um, from the fan requests. I don't know why. Maybe I need to go back and watch it again. Well, we still have the bat. The bat. Yes. We do. The bat's next week. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be a fitting end. That's true. That that may end up trumping all of these. <laughs> <laughs> This conversation 
<clears throat> should take place next week. Yep. I'm sorry okay. for jumping the gun. We're just going to table this for two weeks. A little premature. <clears throat> a little premature. A little premature. But tonight we, st- we still have some uh, bookkeeping to do. We do. Some some secretarial tasks. <laughs> are you, are you going to tell us what those are? Mr. We are picking the next three films that will be done on the show after the bat. Yay. We're at that we're at that time when we need to we need to get the choices out there for the folks to vote on. And Chris has had about two hours now to maybe think, a to think one up. Yeah, think one up. Chris, are you ready? No. Jesus okay. H. But I will be when by the time we get to me. <laughs> Oh, and and I guess what we're going to do is put these three up on the site and have the the group pick the first one. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Old fashioned. Well, uh, speaking of old fashioned, <gasps> no, creep's not giving me one right now. I'm just uh, I'll I'll throw mine out there first. It is not old fashioned. It's probably it is the most recent one we're gonna do. It's from 2013. Whoa. What the fuck? You and it's bastard. it's available on at least Netflix USA. So it'll probably be the most accessible one. Well, unless we know that our, our listeners and people in the group all just have huge collections of shameless discs and, and everything else like that. But this one is, I'm going to go with, and I don't know very much about it, so this could be a total miss, but I'm going to go with The Strange Color of Your Body's Tears. Oh, boy. Oh wow! Okay, cool man. Is that okay with everyone? I'm excited. Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. I've been wanting to, so I now I have a reason to watch it. Need to get a big. That's bag basically, of why I'm doing it. It's been on my queue forever. Need to get rid of it. <laughs> You're cleaning okay. house. Um, Creep. I guess that means you better go. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna do one that people have asked to do a few times. And we're going to do Seven Bloodstained Orchids. Yeah. I knew you were going to pick that. Awesome. Umberto Lenzi. Ooh. name dropped tonight. Okay. That leaves me, and I've got three really interesting picks, and I'm just going to have to pick one. And the answer is... Wiener. Uh, shit. I've where seen did, that one too many times. Where did it go? Oh, I just had it. The Wiener Machine. Um, that one's going to be saved for a very special occasion. Yeah. Okay. On, My pick is. <laughs> what, what was that? <laughs> I just said, come on, Hitchcock. The Hitchcock. suspense is too much. Yeah, sorry. Uh, My pick is. Well, do you like Hitchcock? Oh, man. This is so tough. All right, we're going with... These aren't the last three shows we're ever going to do. I know, but we need, to do, we need to do one that's really, really important to the genre. And I'm trying to pick between... Between Deep Red and Tenebrae? Just nope, pick one. <laughs> neither one. Neither one. But I did have Tenebrae in my, in my third pick. I'm going with... To round out our... Uh, coverage of Lucio Fulci's Jolly. We have the 1972 offering Don't Torture a Duckling. Whoa, it's happening. It's going to happen. 
It's finally happening. Because I think we did all the other ones, right? We didn't do Psychic. Yeah, we did. No way, man. We didn't do the Psychic? No. Well, how come I did the Psychic on my site? Unless you just sat there in, the, in your room and talked to yourself and guess... thought we were there. <laughs> That's happened to me so many times now, I can't even tell you. <laughs> Sometimes I just get on Skype and start talking and just forget to call you guys. Yeah, maybe I'm totally, right. I'm, yeah, weird. Oh, you know what? I guess somebody requested that I do the psychic on my site. Okay, that must have been it. Anyway, so we did Perversion Story, which is yeah. Fulci's first jolly. Then we did um, Lizard in a Woman's Skin, which is his second. And then we did... And then after that is the next one in in uh, in the list is this one, right? Don't torture. And then after that, New right. York Ripper, the Psychic. Um, there's another one that he did that Dance of Death one, right? The the Flash Dance one, Murder Rock or something. Murder Rock. Let's <laughs> just say Flash Dance. What a feeling. Yeah, let's so. do that, that one. Let's, let's so, jump the shark. So you're picking duckling, right? I'm picking duckling. All right. Ooh, so those I know where mine... Yeah. You know where yours is going to end up. Mine's going to be placed. Damn, those are some heavyweights. So that's it. Does um, Netflix say how long that movie will be on Netflix? Like, does it say only available until June 3rd or anything like that? Probably. Okay. Probably, it was probably June 1st. No. It, it was, I said I had it on my queue for a while. That was kind of a little embellishment. I think it was actually just recently put up. So I think it should be on there at least the next six weeks or however long it will take to get to it. All righty. Eight weeks. Well, those are the titles that you guys get to pick from to hear what to hear next after we do the bat, and we'll give you the winners, the place, and the show on the next episode. Um, but until then, if you have a couple minutes and you listen to our show on the apparatus known as iTunes, do us a sliver and leave us a review. Or even if you don't use iTunes. <clears throat> yeah, but if you don't use iTunes, I hear it's very difficult to leave a review on iTunes. Yeah. I have heard that. So it probably is. Everything's difficult there. Yeah. Damn Bill Grates. So <laughs> if you understand the concept of how to leave a review on iTunes, throw us a bone. That would be awesome. That would and be according awesome. to Eric. Leaving five stars is what friends do. <laughs> That's true. And it pushes you up in those rankings. That's very important. Yeah. I don't so, know what what we would be ranked in, but... Yeah. Pornography. Right, I was going to say. Sexy man voices. Yeah. So, yes. until next time... I guess that's it, right, guys? I have the bat right. trailer. Yeah, if you'd like. Yeah, let's let's do that. Cool. Can we just talk like Vincent Price the whole time? Yes, Peter Laurie. Yeah, I was gonna say, 
was going to say was... something like Peter Lorre. I, I pulled the wrong one out of my Rolodex. <laughs> well, Vincent, yes, we had. <laughs> Vincent Price is not an easy voice to do, I don't think. Oh, he's not. No. no. And on that note. Okay. All well, right, so guys. Uh, until next time, everybody. Ciao, good, ciao. Good talk. Good. Lily! <laughs> Come in. Come closer. Closer. That's right. I'm Vincent Price. You'll be just as safe in this house of fear as any of the other five victims murdered by the bat. In all of the annals of mystery, there's never been a more elusive, fearsome, and cunning killer. He'll lure you through hidden passages to make you his next victim. But nobody lives forever, so why be afraid of the bat? you've been dead? Oh, I'd say about a half an hour. Do you believe it was the bat? That's a bat's trademark. Perhaps he's still in the house. That's possible. It says here that the bat never leaves no fingerprints. That's understandable. Having no face, he probably has no fingers either. waiting for you. The next scream you hear may be your own.